Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal here to communicate late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the stakeholders out there. To the ResNet community, we hear you and wish to engage. Disruptive trends exist in every segment of commerce, residential construction is no exception. Between changing consumer needs and demands, new materials, changing codes, changes in the workforce, and an increased demand for sustainability, all the pieces of the machine are in motion. Now, stepping back from the complexity and seeing patterns in the chaos is a trait of many successful small businesses. So what patterns and opportunities are emerging when you step back? The analytical prowess of a former accountant, the entrepreneurial skills gained in Silicon Valley and 18 years experience in the building trade, our guest today, John Gillette, shares with us a broad roadmap of the new business opportunities that are emerging for HERS Raiders. John very neatly weaves together several topics we've covered in past episodes of Res Talk, so we can see where the big picture of business is headed for Raiders. There'll be episodes 3 and 50 on HERS H2O, episode 20 on the ResNet Standard 310, ECHA ResNet ANSI Standard about HVAC quality, episodes 35 and 53 on energy code compliance, and episode 36 on building information modeling. John has a lot to share with us today, and I I'll stop talking and let you listen to John. It was a really fun, engaging conversation. So here's John Gillette of Quality Build. John, good afternoon. How are you? Good, Bill. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Just give us a quick background just to kind of set the audience's mind frame. What's your role in the building industry? Maybe going back a few years, like say back 20 years or so, because you seem to have a long history in this industry. So I, uh, like many folks out there, you start out with one concept of what you're going to do with your career, and then it evolves. I got my degree in accounting and spent two miserable years doing that right out of college, and then went into do a startup of my own. It was focused on more of the Silicon Valley and technology sector. Got to a great place there. We got some venture funding, and unfortunately, the second tranche never happened because we got caught up in the dot-com implosion there. So from there, right in 2002, I entered into the building industry. The exciting part was that I already had a a mother and one of my older brothers that were already in the construction industry providing accounting and consulting. So I had some background, but then entered in focusing largely on uh, building science, third-party inspections, and ultimately learning a great deal about design work and just the interconnectivity that existed between all of those activities within the building industry. Initially focused on For the most part, residential, low-rise, detached, but as the industry has evolved over the years, I've evolved with it. So I've worked with a lot of attached and multifamily, mid-rise, high-rise, and even some commercial product out there. Wow. And this is a recurring theme, the interconnectivity, I like that word, by the way, of both sort of the science of building and also the aspects from which you approach the world of building as a business. Our topic today is to talk about some new business opportunities that may be emerging. And I understand you've worked with Steve Baden on some of these topics up to now? Correct. Yes. As Steve and I have worked together for almost 18 years now. So I've been fortunate enough to watch ResNet grow and open up new opportunities 
for HERS Raiders over almost two decades. So we've definitely been working together. As we know, we have an evolving marketplace out there. Both the residential building industry is evolving, working hard to become more precise, put precision at more of the center of what they do. They're looking to meet the more modern needs of occupants with different technologies integrated in. We're looking to make sure that our buildings actually perform the way our occupants would want them to. And all of this intersects with what ResNet has had as its mission from the onset, which is to really help to create more sustainable buildings that work for the occupants and work for our our communities and broadly work for our country. That's a fantastic mission in a very good description of the industry needs and changing. Do you have any specific changes you can say looking backwards that have happened, things that have been fairly dramatic? I would say that at the beginning of my job, the things related to energy efficiency and sustainability were, were almost considered marketing programs solely by the building community. But times have changed dramatically. And today, uh, there's not a home builder in this country that doesn't look at a great deal around sustainability as core functionality that they've got to build into their homes to make them marketable, to make them valuable, and to protect them from risks that come after occupancy as it relates to homeowner concerns and issues that might develop. That's very interesting because it then the protection from risk builds in that business aspect to it. it. Of course, the builder's interested in delivering the product to the customer, but they're also interested in sustaining themselves as a business and protection from risk is an important element of that. I hear a little riff of accounting coming out of you again, John. <laughs> that's right. The numbers are never too far away. That's for sure. It ultimately forms the basis for our success. So, But what I would say is that at the same time, so the building industry has, has really matured around this idea of sustainability being a core function that they have to build in. But it's really gone well beyond that. We've also seen some fairly dramatic changes in the thought process that occurs by builders within the industry. In many respects, builders often would go out and get a set of designs built, go out in construction, determine if anything in that design wasn't functioning properly, make red lines to it immediately in the field, correct it, and then build on, and then go into occupancy and uh, put aside a reserve and cross their fingers that things worked out. That is no longer the building mentality of today. Today, home builders want to quantify the quality and the risk that they're facing at each step of it. They dramatically understand the connection that exists between the designs they do, what I call the bits and bytes, versus the construction they do, which I call the, the sticks and bricks. And that if we get it right in bits and bytes, it's substantially less expensive than if we have to try to get it right in sticks and bricks. And so today we see a lot more attention paid on the design side, and we're seeing a greater migration to programs like Revit that allow us to get our 3D imagery of the building pre-construction, as well as get more precise build documents out of it. So those have been exciting changes that only help to enhance the sustainability of the building. We did an episode of Res Talk uh, talked about building information, BIM. Is that a, an aspect of this we could delve into a little bit? Absolutely. The great thing about BIM is that with our building information management systems like Revit, as I say, we're able to 
get greater visibility. And an interesting side note is a great deal of the people in the building industry are not actually good at reading two-dimensional drawings. But once we explode them to three dimensions, everybody is able to give highly relevant feedback as to design, any potential conflicts, and places that we may be able to engineer greater value into the building. So just that movement from two dimensions to three dimensions dramatically opens up the effectiveness, efficiency, and equality of the buildings. But it gets better from there because we're able to get material lists out of these BIM programs. Material lists that take away one of the elements that has led to a lot of challenges within the bid process for builders, which is we're relying on our trades, potentially three, four, five trades that are bidding in a particular discipline. We're relying upon their takeoffs to give us the right quantities of the materials and the types of materials we need. But with BIM, we're able to get precise takeoffs that we can then provide out for bid to our trades. And so all of this is that continuing theme of that precision that we're trying to drive into the building industry. And so that's been a dramatic change that we've seen develop. Is there ever any friction with the aspect of saying the now that perhaps the general contractor, whoever is doing the BIM model, is delivering to the trade what they want versus what they know and any kind of friction developed there? It's interesting. We're an industry that when you trace it back to its earliest roots thousands of years ago, you typically have one single person that was that driver of the project, kind of the architect and general contractor baked into one individual or a small group. But as the centuries and decades have unfolded here, what we've seen is a greater and greater disaggregation of the design and the trade elements of a project so that Today, you could have more than a half a dozen individual design engineering firms working on a project, and you can have over 40 different trades working on any given home. And because of that, you do get a lot of tension that exists. Communication becomes critical, something that we all struggle with in our our lives and careers, and all of a sudden that becomes quite critical. And so, yes, you do get some tension, you get some challenges in just saying, hey, I understand that you drew it this way and that this is what you'd like, but you may not understand that the distribution house doesn't carry this type of equipment or my installer doesn't know how to make that type of installation or the cost of this is two times higher than you thought because it's not a common product to install in our marketplace. So that all goes back to that risk aspect and really trying to de-risk it from understanding the information and communication. It certainly does. Can you talk a little bit about, you have a fairly new role. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So here at Quality Built, I've been brought in as the the president. Beth Michaelis, the previous president, is doing some other exciting things for us in the organization. Beth is one of the original founders of Quality Built and a phenomenal resource, an incredible asset to have around. And I'm grateful to have her. I've kind of climbed on top of her shoulders and everything that she's accomplished here at Quality Built. And we're continuing to set out a vision of helping to bring the building industry into a more productive, more efficient, and a more precision-oriented field that matches kind of the overall direction that we've seen the industry moving. And we just simply want to act as a partner to our clients out there to accelerate those efforts and make sure that we foster stability within the building industry. As you've probably seen, Bill, the building industry has, has been fond in the past of 
large peaks and deep valleys where people get laid off a great deal and then they get hired in great deals. What we find is that the more that we build in that discipline, that precision, those efficiencies, the greater the stability we make. And the more we create an industry that attracts people to long-term careers within the space. And so as a centerpiece of what we're doing is helping to push those elements forward so that we can make this a place that people are proud to make their career and that their families can count on it for stable jobs well into the future. That's an awesome perspective and philosophy, but I sense there's more to it in terms of you actually on a daily basis have to make the philosophy work. Yes. It's not just you're a philosophical organization. <laughs> you actually do the work. You act on what you preach. Do you have a service territory for Quality Belt? How does it go about doing its role in the industry? We're a national third-party inspection design and consulting firm. So we do cover from coast to coast and from the tip of Florida all the way up to the top of the Northwest there in Washington. So one of the focus points we do have is working largely with production home builders. These are the folks that are building site-built homes, but with factory-built thought processes and systems. And this aligns deeply with what we do at Quality Built. Where we've begun a number of years ago and we've accelerated over the last couple of years is being focused on being a service-based company, but that is augmented with deep analytics and with a SaaS-based front end and SaaS-based being software as a service. So we are looking to make sure that we are one of those platform companies out there from a software perspective, helping our clients collect data effectively and with simple interfaces, and then using that data to give insight into their businesses and help them forward their business objectives as a home builder, as a trade contractor, as a manufacturer. We're looking to assist all of these groups with forwarding their business models. I think it'd be important for people to take a, a look at your website if they're listening to this to learn a little bit more. Do you have that web address? I'll also put it in the show notes. It is www.qualitybuilt.com. It's a fantastic website. We've got a wonderful CRO that's combined a great sales and marketing organization to really put us in a great place. So wonderful website to take a look at. So that's broadly kind of what we're looking to do. So Bill, you can see kind of how that informs our interface with ResNet. And so what's exciting is what ResNet is now looking to do for their membership base, which is to expand the set of opportunities that exist. And I can truly say, I don't think there's been a time where there's been a greater set of opportunities that exist for that membership base than today. So that's the exciting news. Can you tell us some of the expanded opportunities for the ResNet professional, the HERS Raider? What else is involved here? We talked about a couple things in point, but dig into a couple details, please. Well, the first place I'd always like to start with ResNet is the addition of a brand new rating index, the HERS H2O index. And so this does for water efficiency what the HERS index has done for energy efficiency. It provides an asset rating that gives us a baseline that we can then work from as an industry to create greater and greater efficiencies of water use within our buildings. Now for the HERS Raider to add this to their scope of work that they can provide is a fairly small lift. We're, we're talking anywhere from a half day to a full day of classroom training with the addition of some in-person observations, performing the actual inspections, but it is not a big deal. However, it does dramatically increase 
the revenue opportunities for the HERS rater. And importantly, it creates a great deal of value for the home builder as they're able to use this as a tool to market differentiation against their competition, which exists both in the new home world and in the existing home world, as well as a great speaking point to municipalities as to how they're leading the way with how to use water appropriately within their communities. That's a really good point of that kind of integration of the interrelationships, again, from the business, the sustainability, and the builder and the uh, occupant standpoint. There's some other things that are on, actually in the process of coming online, things with regard to HVAC. Is that correct? That's correct. So really exciting. It's been a number of years in the work, and I know ResNet has partnered with a number of important organizations on a national basis to create this. And so it's what we call ACA 310. So ResNet has partnered with ACA to create a new standard that brings in additional commissioning services or diagnostic tests and inspections for the HVAC system. And specifically, what it's bringing in are refrigerant charge testing, adequate airflow, and fan watt draw. And it's adding that to the already being completed duct leakage test out there. So the combination of those tests are really giving us a very comprehensive commissioning service for HVAC systems. Now, this is critical because when you think about it, where we always start with the building is what the occupants are looking for. So we will ask the occupants, hey, how do you want this building to perform for temperature and humidity in the winter, in the summer? And then we will take that and we will build it into our designs and our engineering. And we'll then take that and build it into our installations at a construction stage. The HVAC commissioning after construction and installation then goes back and measures the actual performance of those systems as it relates to what the occupant's expectations were. So now we're finally tying out, we're completing the circle here of saying, here's what the occupant wanted and here's what they got. This is a huge step up for the building industry and it creates a lot of confidence by the home builders that their warranty claims are going to go down, that their brand value is going to go up with their homeowners and that just broadly speaking, they're creating a more quality product. And all this, the way you describe it, isn't that large of a lift for the raider who's been working in and around the guts and the skeletal and the framework of a house for so long. It's just, it's adding on a piece. It's cloning on another little bit. There's also something we had on a previous podcast where we delved into the uh, raider inspector and the joint work with ICC. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is perhaps one of the most exciting areas of expansion for ResNet. And I think to properly speak about it is first to understand what's gone on on a national basis in the last 30 years. When we look at municipalities, we've probably all noted that the budgets for municipalities have gotten tighter and tighter over the years. And a great deal of those budgets are related to the benefits and the pensions that the employees receive. And so what we've we've noted is that one of the ways that municipalities have started to to deal with their budget challenges is to use more contract workers instead of hiring new employees for many of the tasks they're doing. And in the case of the building department within municipalities, this is no different. They're absolutely looking to outsource more and more of their building inspections that are taking place to third-party inspectors and contractors. So now, Play that into what ResNet accomplished last year 
working with the International Code Council in creating the ICC ResNet inspector to complete energy efficiency related inspections. So there we open up the world to ResNet based inspectors performing more inspections than just for the HERS index. So it broadens it to other avenues of compliance for energy efficiency that traditionally the building inspector might've been asked to complete, but now the ResNet ICC inspector can complete on their behalf. But it doesn't take a lot of imagination to see where that can be expanded over time to looking at foundation hardware, subterranean activity, structural activity, various other elements of the building that traditionally was done by the building inspector at the building department, but now could be moved into this ResNet inspector world. I think I just felt like we got a peak of the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully not too far off future as well. Cool. I was going to ask you that question. What do you see on the horizon? I think we'll see dramatic traction with HERS H2O in the second half of 2020. We've got a lot of marketing programs coming out related to that. And builders understand there's serious intrinsic value in that program. So I think we'll see great value there. I think we've got just a little bit more of activity to do around ACA 310. And then I think we'll see ACA 310 beginning of next year incorporated into energy modeling software. And we'll see amendments uh, taking place at municipal levels. And we'll start to see ACA 310 really explode, in particular in our our southern, our hot, humid, and dry climates, where the 310 services have a dramatic result. But without question, they'll expand into the northern climates as well. As far as the ICC resident partnership, I think that will only grow with time. There's just no question that there's tremendous opportunity. That opportunity exists because ResNet really did something really important over a decade ago. They started to lay the foundation and since then have, have solidified that foundation to being the gold standard of quality assurance programs within the third-party inspection industry that is residential building today. So that was a mouthful. So let me unpack that. <laughs> yeah. ResNet is largely focused in the residential building industry today. We've had inspections done by municipalities, and we've had inspections done by third-party inspectors, and we've even had inspections done by builders or their trade partners. But what ResNet did that was different than anybody else in the industry is they made a large investment into the quality assurance process and procedure system that they were going to use to ensure that their inspectors, their HERS raters, were in fact conducting comprehensive, accurate, high quality inspections in the marketplace. And so today they've got an entire infrastructure around enforcing that quality assurance program. As they extend that quality assurance out to the water efficiency, out to HVAC commissioning, and ultimately to more and more of the inspections that are being done by municipalities, we will see that that will only accelerate the movement towards ResNet raters as the standard for all inspections in the industry. You have a tremendous perspective, a picture you've painted here, just to kind of like touched all corners of the canvas at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but we try to do our best. Thank you. And you do. Any kind of closing thoughts, something to wrap it up here for our listeners? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. And I think my closing thoughts, being a small business is is not easy. And it is something that when you get into it, there's excitement and the opportunities seem unlimited. But the reality is that running a business is 
challenging. And 2020 has shown us that those challenges can sometimes be off the scale. But I want to really remind and, and assure everyone out there in the HERS industry and frankly, in the building industry, that with every challenge, there comes opportunities. And this is not the time to pick up your marbles and go home with your head held low. This is the time to to redouble your efforts, to look for opportunities wherever they may lie, and to not accept that that's just the way it is. And in many respects, to not accept that kind of an average approach. Remember that the best of businesses will come from your efforts. And every one of you has the potential to do exceptional things. We just have to push ourselves to do it. Awesome closing thoughts, a very inspirational and words individuals listening should take to heart. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Great conversation. I know a few people in the resident community. I don't know if we've ever met before, but I feel like I know you a lot better now and I really like you. Oh, thanks, Bill. I feel the same. Thank you. I like your analytical approach, like your kind of holistic approach. And you also, you drop back into business because it's a business proposition we're talking about here, the roles everyone has in this process. And the business is the ultimate goal is to serve the customer. But there's these intricate parts that all this stands upon, and you've nicely woven them together. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Bill, for the time today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Res Talk podcast with our guest today of John Gillette. If you like what you heard today, if you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing Res Talk into the search bar in any of the podcast apps. That way you'll get all episodes as soon as they launch. You can also listen in your browser by following the links at resnet.us forward slash professional. If you're a pro in the building market, you might want to surf on over to resnet.us professional to learn more or to join the email list. Here's a quote for today that relates to our episode. It's a quote by Winston Churchill. Difficulties mastered are opportunities won. So I hope you're out there looking for opportunities, kind of seeing the patterns and the chaos, some of the things that John helped us look at today. So I want to thank you again for listening to the Res Talk podcast, and we hope to hear you again or see you again. I guess we're not going to see or hear you, but hopefully you're listening to us again after I get my head screwed on straight. Thank you very much. This is Bill Spohn for the Res Talk podcast. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spone and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk. <laughs>